while I am getting set up up here, I'd like you to do something a little different this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them a promise of God that you're clinging to, or maybe one you've clung to in the past. Go ahead. Don't, don't be shy. Turn to your neighbor. What's a promise that you're clinging to? Amen. Who wants to shout one of those out? Grace. My grace is sufficient. That's what I think of when I think of that. What else? He's, n- he's never going to wipe us out with a flood again. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he loves us no matter what. Unconditional love. Amen. Forgiveness. He promises to forgive all those who come to him through Christ. Amen. Strength. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are all bedrock promises that we want to lay hold of. And one that hit me when we were singing that third song the battle belongs to the lord that's like right out of the bible right the battle belongs to the lord and every week i get to learn that lesson every time i step up to the pulpit (laughs) every time i step up is it's not about me the battle belongs to the lord every time you step out to live for god it's not about you the battle belongs to the lord amen so Even though we're in the midst of spiritual conflict, even though we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, and that's what this whole series has been about, it's not ultimately about us, but it's about God. And it's about how the battle belongs to him and how much he loves his people that he would equip us for the battles that we're in. So turn, if you would, to Ephesians 6 once again, Ephesians chapter 6. And we will have a moment of prayer. That's Ephesians chapter 6. Let's pray. Father God, we, we're a needy people, um, but we have an all-sufficient God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, no matter what we are going through in here today, that you are faithful and that your promises are true and that as the people of God, we can cling to them. And even if perhaps we're in here today and we're not a believer or we're listening online and we don't know Jesus, Father, you're able, you have promises around how we can be rescued, how we can be forgiven because you sent your son into the world to seek and save that which is lost by living a perfect life and dying on the cross and rising up out of the grave and offering life to all who will believe, all who will lay down their sin and admit their need and come to Jesus for rescue. And we thank you that as believers that we are standing on the promises of God. 
and that we gather every morning to stand on your promises. So I pray right now, would you open our hearts? Would you help us in whatever we're going through today? Whatever fiery darts have been hitting us, would you speak to us? And would you bring a better word than the one that I have prepared? Would you bring a word that's tailored for each of our hearts that we would get help and encouragement in a time of need? Amen. Amen. So I can remember the first time I watched the movie Gladiator. And you all remember that movie with Russell Crowe, who plays this Roman general, this great Roman general and military tactician named Maximus. And I just remember seeing that opening scene to the movie where the, uh, Maximus is leading his army to fight the German barbarian hordes. And you see the Roman soldiers lining up and you see over in the forest coming out of the woods just a whole slew of, of German barbarian soldiers coming and they're lining up. And then Maximus tells his troops and one of his commanders to ready the archers. And you see all of the archers take their arrows, dip them in pitch, light them on fire, and they get it ready. And you're waiting for Maximus to give this command to send those arrows over. And he says, fire. And thousands of arrows just light up the screen. Thousands of arrows come over in this giant volley. And any of the German barbarians that don't have armor, that don't have shields, that don't have what they need to protect themselves, they're just getting destroyed and annihilated, right? All of these arrows are hitting, and what's happening? But fire is beginning to break out and consuming the enemy. And not only are the, the, the arrows wreaking havoc, but the fire is doing just as much damage. And it doesn't take long for Maximus and the Roman legion to make short work of the barbarian hordes. And they basically get massacred by this powerful volley that weakens them to the point where they just can't defend themselves any longer. And it's, it's, a, it's a quick win for the Roman soldiers. And in our text today, we're going to be talking about the shield of faith. And Paul depicts the same exact scene. He, he depicts a scene just like this in Ephesians 6, where he tells us in all circumstances to take up the shield of faith with which you might quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. So just like... That movie, the devil is pictured as a great foe and a great enemy just throwing volleys of arrows, fiery darts at the church and at individual Christians in order to wreak havoc in their life. And Paul is giving us the one thing that he's rising up and telling us you must take up in the midst of battle. And he says, take up the shield of faith. And he says, take it up so that you might quench or put out these flaming darts as they come. So I was thinking this week and I wondered, you know, 
what are we coming in with today? What fiery dart has came into your life? Maybe even this week. Maybe it's been the past several months. Maybe something caught flame in your life, in your family, in your friendships. Maybe there's something that's lit a fire and you're dealing with a chronic health condition or something like that. And, and it feels like it's getting out of control and you don't know what to do. Because you got hit with something that you weren't expecting, but it's here and you feel like your world's on fire. Maybe that's you today. And the text reminds us it's going to happen if it's not already happening. So that's why Paul says it's so necessary. It's so absolutely necessary as the people of God for us to be equipped in this warfare. Because this is no, this is no game. It's no uh, you know, scenario that's kind of like we put in the realm of fantasy. But we're, we're, we're in the middle of a spiritual war. And every one of us is involved. There is nobody on the sidelines. There is nobody that can remain neutral on the battlefield. There's nobody who can say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'll be a part of a church, but I'm not going to get involved and not experience. I mean, that's a sign you already have darts in your back, right? If that's where you're at. But if you're in the fight, then we're going to hear these words in Ephesians and we're going to get great help. It's like, it's like he's that great general summoning his troops to battle and saying, this is what we need. And the battle belongs to the Lord. So let's walk together into the text one more time. And Paul spends almost a whole chapter of a six chapter book laying out spiritual warfare. So I, I think the attention he's giving to the church, that this would be read cyclically. Imagine through all of the North Central Baptists, if we started reading letters or sermons and, and, and every church heard it, right? And a whole chapter is devoted to this and it's divinely inspired. So God wants us to get a hold of this. So let's look at it in verse 10, starting. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We live in an evil day, he's saying. And do all, or, and having done all, to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and in all circumstances, 
take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. This is the divine blueprint for battle against the forces of darkness. And Paul makes no mistake in telling us what is the witness of all of Scripture. So even the Apostle Peter is going to say things like this, right? Paul tells us it's through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. And he instructs young Timothy and he says, fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. The Christian life is war from cradle to grave. From the moment you got saved until you get to heaven. It's a war. And the Apostle Peter says the very same thing in 1 Peter 5.8. When he says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And listen, anytime there's a fresh work of God in the church or in your life, you better believe a volley of arrows is coming. Anytime that God is doing something profound and you're growing spiritually you better believe an attack is coming and sometimes that's how the lord grows us in our faith so i want to look at verse 16 with you and just try to we're going to try to wring all we can out of that verse and we're going to see the devil's attacks we're going to see the divine defense and we're going to see what it looks like to douse some darts so that's that's where we're headed Number one, the devil's attacks. The devil's attacks. Look at it in verse 16 once again. He says, in all circumstances, this is the apostle speaking to the Ephesian church. He's saying, in all circumstances, you got to take up the shield of faith. Why? Because you've got some flaming darts coming at you, right? You've got, you've got like an Uzi spraying bullets at you. Demonic, tailor-made bullets that are, they've got your name on it. And the devil loves to come when you're most weakest, you're most vulnerable. And so you see right here in this passage, it says that we need to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So this is the place where we see through this passage that the devil is called the evil one. Right? He's called the one who is the, the most pernicious, wicked, abominable force in this world. He's the inspiration for all evil and all rebellion. And anytime you have fallen to a temptation, it is a combination of your own sinful nature and you rushing into the temptations of the evil one. That's why Jesus said to us in his Lord's prayer, protect us from the evil one. He told us to pray 
that we might not enter into temptation. He told his disciples that. And he said, deliver us from the evil one. Why do we need to pray that if we're not in a battle, right? This goes through Jesus. This goes through Paul. This goes through Peter. It goes through the whole Old Testament. We have a mortal enemy or a supernatural enemy. And we need to be aware of what we're up against. He's the leader of an army of darkness. That's what verse 12 says, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we've got to we've got to recognize, right, that there's organization going on in the army of darkness to seek and to destroy not only your faith and to lead you into shipwreck in your faith, but also incite all the, the evil that we see in the world, right? When you look at the world and you look at something like human trafficking or you look at any of the world wars, um, the casualties and the kind of evil that goes on when men are incited to sin against God are incalculable. The kind, of, the kind of stuff that's gone on throughout all of human history, if you were to sit there and you were to read book after book after book and study after study after study, it would make you sick. In fact, it's been said that if we could experience simultaneously all at once all the evil and all the sin that men and women, boys and girls, perpetrate in the world, we would absolutely go crazy and scream and pull out our hair and fall on our faces in misery. And that is what the Prince of Darkness is all about. That's what we're stepping into. That's who we're facing. And when you think about it, right, when you think about something like a Wednesday night prayer meeting, right, do we really believe the devil exists? Because we will, it'll change the way you look at prayer and the way you look at wartime prayer, right? If we really believe Satan is an evil force and he's this vile and he's this wicked and he's working in these ways in your life and this is hitting your doorstep, oh, it's time to start praying as a church, right? There are things that are so vital that can be drawn out of just a meditation on the fact that in all circumstances we need to take up the shield of faith because flaming darts are coming from the devil. And if you're asleep to it, it means you're already being hit. Because that's part of the deception. To lure you away from God. If you've got no desire for God, you've got no hunger for the word, you've got no hunger for prayer, you've got no hunger for the things of of. of of the gospel, then you already have arrows sticking out of your back and you just didn't know it. But we're awake because we got verse 16 in our face. And Paul is saying as a wise pastor, as a tender-hearted pastor, brothers and sisters, we need to take up the shield of faith because we have a very real attack on our doorstep. And he hates the church 
But we need to be reminded that not even the gates of Hades will prevail against the church. But it does not mean that you will not experience attack and you will not experience the deception of the evil one in this world. In fact, if you really think about it, any grudges that are being held onto in this room, right, no matter how it started, no matter what interplay brought it about, it's a dart of the devil. It's that festering, smoldering arrow sticking out of your back that gets you to replay that tape again and again and again and again until you will not have this person in your life. Well, that's how the devil works, right? That's what the darts look like. We don't really think about it, but that's what it looks like, right? What does it say in Ephesians 4 and uh, verse, let me quickly scan here. Um, Verse 26, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil, right? We looked at that weeks ago. The devil gets opportunity and that's how the arrows come. Division, doubts, doubting the word of God. Is this book really real? Is it really from God? Anytime those thoughts come into your minds, brothers and sisters, listen, it's the devil's darts coming at you. Anytime you have a wicked, heinous thought, it comes into your mind. It's like, why am I thinking this? Where is this coming from? What is going on in my heart? Is this me or is it? It's the devil's darts. Now, what you do with those thoughts has everything to do with you. What you choose to meditate on has everything to do with you. How many of us perhaps have been this very year tempted to despair of life itself? We have a suicide pandemic in our country. There's more suicides per state than there have ever been. How does that happen? Because the devil's darts of despair, right? He wants to kill us. It's not just that he wants to annoy you. He wants to kill you and separate you from God. So remember what's happening. Pay attention to what's going on in your soul. Because as we spoke of in the beginning, the volleys of arrows come and We're not always prepared for them. All of a sudden we got hit. And something came in. And we're wrestling with it. That's how quick it can happen. And verse 11 just reminds us that the devil's a schemer, right? You can't stand against the schemes of the devil if you don't take up this armor. So... Paul is helping us get acquainted with our enemy. He's helping us understand the devil's plots, the devil's devices. And we only have two choices, right? Two choices that we face in this room, knowing and having the knowledge that the devil is throwing darts at us. We can choose to take up the shield of faith 
or we can ignore it and go on with our business. The devil would be very happy with us to ignore the spiritual war we're in, thereby become a prisoner of war, and just go on about our business on the farm with no regard for God and no regard for the battle that we are in. And he laughs. But when we wake up, whew, that's when you really start seeing the darts. You really start knowing what's happening. You really start realizing. And, and, and then you're, with, you're like with the apostle. You're like, okay, so it said in all circumstances. So there's all sorts of different stratagems and ways and things that are going to happen that are going to necessitate my need to take up the shield of faith so I can extinguish these flaming darts. What do I got to do? And what does it even mean to take up the shield of faith, right? Which leads us to our next point. What do we do to take up the shield of faith? Point number two reminds us we need a divine defense. We need to take it up. And that's what verse 16 is shouting at us. Take up the shield of faith. And we're reminded that, once again, as with all the armor, it's our responsibility, brothers and sisters. It is not something that automatically comes upon you every single day. It's something you pray for. It's something you seek. It's something you must do. It's not a mere option, but it's a divine necessity laid upon us by the text by the word of God. And so the Apostle Paul exhorts us with all his heart. Says take it up. Take up this shield. You need it desperately. Do you see that you need it? Do you see that it's your one hope in this world? Do you see that as the world gets darker and as the demonic influences of false doctrine and false teaching and false everything get laid on you through media and, and images and political pundits and all of this stuff going on in the world and everything at the click of the button in your pockets with your iPhone every time you look at it, do you realize that you need to take up the shield of faith that you're going to be able to do anything for God in this world? And if you're going to be able to survive without making shipwreck of your faith. So what is this shield of faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. The shield of faith is, again, picturing this armor, right? It's picturing the, the, the shield of a Roman legionnaire a roman soldier and these shields would have been about four feet long and two feet wide they're like the, the shape of a door so imagine if i was holding a small door in front of me and it's four feet long two feet wide and it's made of wood planks and it has leather uh stretched across it and then it has above the top and the bottom two iron uh, pieces and they would douse it with water so that when the fiery darts come what happens it's extinguished right the darts get put out as soon as they stick into the shield so this shield was big enough to protect the entire body of this soldier 
And that's important because Paul is reminding us, if you want to protect your whole life, you need to have the shield of faith. If you want to protect everything, right? And, and one commentator put it like this, the, the shield protects the rest of the armor too, right? So if you're using your shield and stuff's hitting the shield, it's not hitting who? You. It's not hitting your armor. You don't want to get an arrow into the helmet. You don't want to get an arrow into the breastplate. If you don't have to, you take up the shield of faith. So in all circumstances, verse 16 says, take it up. Take up the shield of faith. But how can we do that? What does that look like? What is this faith that Paul is talking about, right? Those are questions that arise from this text because we don't want to keep the Bible in this kind of nebulous place where we know generalities and we don't know specifics. We know like, okay, yeah, you got to take up the shield of faith and, and that's great and all of that. But what does that look like in real life with boots on the ground? What does that look like when I got the arrows coming at me? Right? So that's what Paul's going to help us. He's going he's to help us get uh, our minds around it and our heart around it. And the first thing we just see is actually um, in the literal rendering of this text, the Greek actually says, take up the shield, which is faith. Which is faith. Right? And then you have to ask yourself two questions. Is it saving faith? Or is it the ongoing trust of a believer fighting the good fight, right? Is it what Paul's saying when he says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, right? Or is it what we would see as the initial faith that one comes to believe on the Lord Jesus and get rescued from their sins and finally come alive to God and finally be forgiven and finally be adopted into the family of God and finally be rescued from darkness and finally be brought out from under condemnation into the freedom and forgiveness and pardon of God and have the righteousness of God applied to them. Is it that initial faith? Well, one thing that's helping me as I think through it is you got to have one without the other, right? If you don't have saving faith, you can't put on, you can't take up the shield of faith. So if you're here today and you don't have saving faith, you, you're not born again, you've never trusted Jesus, well, then that's what you got to start with, right? But I think the text indicates the context of warfare, and Paul is already assuming he's talking to Christians, Right? That's why he could say in verse 10, finally, and he's writing to the church, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He's talking to people who are in the Lord. So that's the question you need to ask yourself. Number one, am I in the Lord? Because I can't take any of this up if I'm not in Christ. All the blessings of God are in Christ. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, you want to flip to the very beginning of Ephesians, that's exactly what Paul says. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame or blameless before him 
That's powerful. That's effectual. That's a work of what God is doing for believers, right? The blessings of God and every spiritual blessing are for those who are in Christ. As you see in the text, right? In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved, in Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth for us in Christ. You see, these blessings that are believers and this armor is for those who are in Christ. From the beginning of Ephesians to the end of Ephesians, all the protection and blessing that we need, all the covering you need over your life is connected to Jesus. So if you don't have him, you can't take up this armor. So we're helped. We're instructed. The more carefully you think about the armor and the more you understand the world of Ephesians and the more you realize what Paul has been saying in places like Ephesians 2.8, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Then you're, you're realizing, like... Paul is talking to people who've been born again. He's talking to people who have trusted Jesus for salvation. And now he's telling them, take up the shield of faith as a demonstration of your ongoing trust in the Lord. A sign of spiritual immaturity in your life is if you think that you can come to Jesus, have faith in Jesus, get saved, walk an aisle, get baptized, and then do absolutely nothing after that. There's no ongoing faith. There's no getting involved in church. There's no warfare and wartime mentality going on. There's no fight. There's no urgency to get the gospel out. There's no sense of, 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 of I am a part of a body of believers and I'm in the army of the Lord and I'm being mobilized to get ready and preach the gospel. Well, that's great great spiritual blindness that's come upon us. And Paul says, no, we can't have that. Verse 16 reminds us we take up the shield of faith. Now, this is all anchored in the Old Testament, right? Like Paul's been talking about this stuff for a very long, or, or the Bible's been talking about this stuff for a long time. How did the Old Testament saints trust God? How did the Old Testament saints Exemplify faith. What did they do? What did people like David do? Right? They ran to God in faith for protection. It's all through the Psalms. I mean, you pick up the Psalms, read a couple Psalms a day, and you're going to run into it all over the place. Psalm 144, David puts it like this. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield 
and in him. And he is who I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. I'm taking refuge in God. He's my shield. Do you see what that looks like? That's faith laying hold of God as the protector. Like when trouble hits, when arrows fly, do you run to God or away from God? Jonah ran away, right? He had to get a fish after him. Actually, God throws a storm. God throws a fish. God does all sorts of things to bring Jonah around. Consider what David says in Psalm 18 and verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my rock and my God, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from all my enemies. So, like, what are we being instructed here? What does that look like? Paul is kind of helping us see when he taps into these Old Testament ideas is prayer and trusting God and who he is as our protector is part of what it means to take up the shield of faith, right? So when he says in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, he's saying what the Proverbs say, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths, right? That's what it looks like to trust God. And the Bible tells us that unbelievers, it's the opposite. Unbelievers don't trust God. Unbelievers don't thank God. Unbelievers don't lean on God. Unbelievers don't acknowledge God. And that's what Paul says in Romans 1. In verse 21. This is the description. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The unbeliever does not depend on God for anything. He doesn't thank God for anything, but he suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Paul says, it's not so with the believer. We know we're in a fight and we take up the shield of faith. So we've seen the devil attacks. We've seen we need to take up the shield of faith. Now, how do we douse these darts, right? How do you actually use the shield of faith? If we know it's trusting God, if we know it's trusting his promises, if, it, if we know it's trusting his character, well, what does it look like when you get down to the nitty-gritty and you're looking at verse 16 and you're saying, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, right? Well, I think of the shield of faith kind of like a fire extinguisher, right? We have about three or four in our house, and it wasn't long ago that a neighborhood uh, house in our neighborhood went up in flames, and it was devoured by flames in 30 minutes or so. It was just gone. But if you have fire extinguishers and you see smoke, you see fire, you come, 
and you take that extinguisher and you spray everything you can till every last bit is just doused and the fire is out. Well, that's the picture that Paul is giving us here. He's saying the shield of faith is a glorious fire extinguisher. You got a fire in your life? You got a fire in your marriage? You got a fire in your family? You got a fire at work? You got a fire in your health? You got a fire going on in the, the difficulties of parenting? You got a fire going on between you and another believer? You need the extinguishing power of this shield of faith. And one of the greatest discoveries of my life as a Christian was when I learned as the Lord used a kind brother who loved the word of God and encouraged me in how to fight against these flaming arrows that come at you. And he said, you need to take particular promises, specific promises of God and fight specific problems in your life. You need to take the promises of God, you need to get specific, and you need to go at the difficult realities of your life. And you need to apply the verses, right? So you got to get in the Bible, you got to dig out stuff that has to do with things that you're going through, right? You're wrestling with something. You got flaming darts coming at you, and you go, What does the Bible say about it? What does God, God's breathed word, have to say about taking these promises up, trusting God, and combating the satanic lies and deception and things going on in your life? So we'll do a couple. Maybe you're in here today and you're battling loneliness. You've been so discouraged and you feel so lonely and you feel all alone you feel like the struggles you're going through you're all alone that fiery dart of loneliness and discouragement has just hit you and you feel like God's abandoned you you feel like that like there's nobody to help you you're all alone and you feel like the devil might be right maybe God's not gonna help me right but wait a second what does Hebrews say Hebrews 13 5 Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And then listen, for he has said, meaning God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can be confident when we say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You got a problem with loneliness? Jesus is the answer. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never let you down. You run to him. You come. You take this text. You throw it in the devil's face. And you tell him what's true about who your God is. And watch him transform that situation. Watch him transform your thinking. Watch him open your eyes so that you might see. Watch him give you clarity. Watch the dark just douse. And the flames go out. It's awesome. I, I love seeing God do that, right? I get discouraged. Boom, what's a text? I need God's word. And then I hold up the text. And it's my faith in the text that's the shield. My faith in the God who promises these things, right? Maybe you not only feel alone, but maybe you feel afraid. Maybe you're in here today and the darts of fear are just boom, 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 hitting you. 
Well, Joshua was there at one point. And Joshua says in first Joshua or in Joshua 1 9, the Lord says, Have I not commanded you, Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You want to know who's at your side? You want to know who the battle belongs to? The battle belongs to the Lord. Come on. <laughs> the battle belongs to? Okay, again. The battle belongs to? That's who's with you. This is, this is the Bible talking to us. This is God talking to us. Don't be afraid, Christian. God's with you. He's with you. You don't have to be afraid. He's with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's surrounding you. His arms are around you. He's alongside you. And he's going to bring you all the way home from no condemnation, right? Because he justifies you to no separation. Nobody can separate you from the love of God. Get up in some Romans 8. We talked about that the other week, right? Get up in some Romans 8 and start talking to the devil with that. As you trust in God. Maybe this one may hit home for some more than others. But maybe you're dealing with a dart of chronic illness and pain and suffering. Right? What are the promises for you? <laughs> like, what are you going to do with that? Like, it's there. It's there to stay this side of heaven. Well, Paul says to you in... 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. He's just, just as a pastor talking to you right now in your chronic illness. And this is God's word. So that we do not lose heart. He knows you might lose heart. Right? Though our outer self is wasting away, you feel it. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things, as we do not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Look to the glory that's coming. And remember that this trouble you're going through is a blip on the screen of eternity. And it's going to be swallowed up in eternal glory. And God is preparing you and not one ounce of your suffering is being wasted. He's preparing you for heaven. Eternity goes on and on and on and on and on. And you've got a sliver of maybe a decade of your life, maybe two decades, where you're struggling with this thing. Oh, that's going to get swallowed up one day. You better believe it. As we age, as our bodies break down, this is the promise we stand on when the devil's darts come. Amen? That's what Paul's saying to you. Like, get your eyes off your affliction and onto the glory that's coming. Now, as we close, I just want to take a moment to share one more thing about this shield of faith. The way it's made is it allows soldiers to interconnect the shields. And so... In Greco-Roman warfare, this shield, it was called a scutum, could connect. And basically all the soldiers would, would connect it over the head 
and, and the ones out in front would all connect it together, and it'd be like this massive tank with everybody joining together, and nothing could penetrate, and then they would lift it up and strike the enemy, but they had to all be together. If there's any openings, attacks could get through. So the last thing that I'm so encouraged about by this reality is just as the phalanx was an impenetrable force when the soldiers banded together, the picture here of the Apostle Paul and God is saying to us as a church is as we lock shields, as we lock shields, as you live out your faith, locking shields with your brothers and sisters, like every member ministry, every member involved, every member connecting, every member encouraging. Your faith is encouraging your brother's faith. Your faith is encouraging your sister's faith. And, and ultimately, there's an impenetrable reality when the church unites and when it's standing, having trusted God, having believed the promises, and the devil will send his volleys. But that's how Jesus could say, not even the gates of Hades shall prevail against the church. So my call to us and my charge to us today is will you link shields? Will you link shields? Will you go beyond sideline Christianity and get in the fight together? Will you lock, lock shields with those that you don't really know that well? Will you lock shields with people that have different personalities than you? Will you lock shields with people that you're just not used to. And may you go out and fight the good fight of faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for these promises that we're standing on the promises of our great God. And we pray, Father, we pray that you would help us as a people to link shields. We pray, God, that you would help us as a people to take up the shield of faith. And we pray, God, that you would be glorified and you would minister to us these words that we would lay hold of them as our treasure and that we would have ammunition and armor to fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.